Welcome to Bloody Marys, a queer horror movie podcast. This episode we'll be talking about Midsummer. I'm an undiagnosed case of vagina dentata. <laughs> Sean. And I'm running up the stairs when I should be going up the door. Alex. We are housemates and horror nerds and recording this in our hackney flat and our pronouns are they and them. A few content notes. Uh, we'll be using bad language throughout. We'll be discussing a rape scene, a suicide scene, and also blood and guts and death. So discretion is advised if you find any of these distressing. And of course, the episode will be riddled with spoilers. Uh, so if you want to watch it, then I would recommend you watch it before listening to this episode. So, uh, Midsommar was released in the US uh, July 3rd, 2019. Uh, the original script was actually a slasher uh, based within a pagan cult, um, but Ariaster decided to make the breakdown of a relationship the central theme and work from that. Ariaster Grande. Ariaster Grande. <laughs> well, actually, that's a foreshadowing to something, a fact I have later. Oh, um, <laughs> um, he described the result as a breakup movie dressed in the clothes of a folk horror film. Um, like I said, he based it on his own breakup and the feelings he went through. He said, I saw a way of marrying the breakup movie that I had in me at the time with the structure of a folk horror film. Ariaster wrote a hundred page Bible developing the story of Midsummer with lots of the lore um, that goes on in it, including some of the rituals which are actually based on pre-existing folklore that he came across in his research. Um, but a lot of the, the rituals in it are actual fictionalised interpretations of them. Um, he also has uh, shielded away from making a link to Hereditary, his previous film, but has admitted that there might be some spiritual thematic bonds. What thematical bonds? Well, they're only hinted at, so I actually nobody knows. Oh, so okay. we, we could guess, yes. but I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> well, because he also said that uh, Hereditary was about family. It, it was like a, a story of the breakdown of a family within <clears throat> yeah, the so, kind of genre of horror. And I guess, yeah, in the same way, it's probably just like losing, like the breakdown of a relationship and sort of losing faith and it all going quite dark is mm. kind of, yeah, the theme, maybe. Breaking the rules of the genre, it uses quite a lot of uh, sunlight in the film. Um, it begins in darkness um, when she finds out her whole family's dead. <laughs> That's dark. Uh, we should probably mention that although we saw the original version in the cinema, we have just uh, rewatched the director's cut. So there are some. There's more darkness in that. I think, than there was in the cinema version. Yeah, surprisingly, um, it sort of has little moments of darkness, and I don't know what the darkness really represents in terms of the film. Um, but, but, <laughs> nighttime. But it's nighttime, yeah, <laughs> when, it, when it is dark. That's what the darkness represents. <laughs> um, so yeah, it takes place mostly during the day, but obviously that's helped by a sort of Swedish summer, which is um, mostly light. Critics described it as a male director's masochistic fantasy of emasculation at the hands of a matriarchal cult um, and a sharp betrayal of gaslighting. Um, Jordan Peele of Get mm. Out and Us fame and the new Candyman film, which I just found out actually, um, said that the film had the most atrociously disturbing imagery I've ever seen in the film and drew parallels with The Wicker Man, which is kind of obvious, I suppose. Um, when the film was released in Sweden... Um, a lot of people thought, thought it was a comedy and actually laughed all the way through, which I found... I, th- I think we did, though, in the cinema. I remember coming out of it feeling like I'd seen a real romp. 
I don't, but I, I mean, the thing is, obviously, my natural reaction to horror is to laugh, but I don't... So mine's not, I'm a screamer, as you well know. <laughs> <laughs> but I found it a very funny film. But I guess it was kind of like, on first viewing, it was a bit like, oh, this is weird, I don't know how to Yeah, like, uncomfortable after, maybe, because... <laughs> but, um, like, even at the end, when she's in that big kind of sluggy flower, flower dress, dress, that is funny. Like, it is funny. I mean, yeah, I suppose, but I mean, yeah, I don't know whether... I, I can't tell, but it's strange, actually, because other reviews also described it as a horror comedy, which I think is a bit of a stretch. Like, it's definitely a horror with maybe some dark comedy in it. Um... So yes, uh, going on to Ariana Grande, um, yes. she is a huge fan of the film, um, and also, uh, yeah, for her 27th birthday, had a Midsummer-themed party. Um, she also tried and failed to buy the May Queen gown in the auction that was uh, just on recently to raise funds for corona benefits. Um, but actually the Academy and Museum who do the Oscars actually won it, and it apparently went for about 65000 Dollars. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you get a lot of flowers with that. Yeah, a lot of plastic flowers <laughs> slugging around in your house. <laughs> um, one thing that I found interesting actually on doing like a queer sort of research of it was that I found two separate articles that really don't reference each other at all um, from trans women um, saying that it was sort of an unintentional trans allegory um, and saying that it really resonated with them in that way. So, Samantha Allen from Them.us said, um, Midsummer may not have any transgender characters, but it's a meditation on gender, trauma, and belonging resonates deeply with me as a transgender woman. Um, if the broad brushstrokes of the story feel familiar, a strong but traumatised woman awkwardly attempting to assimilate into a group of men before coming into her own through a transformational ceremony, that's because it's also a quintessential transgender narrative. And uh, she says that she saw a reflection of her own trans feminine longing for community, a community that, frankly, may be just as fantastical as the film's otherworldly setting. Emily Vanderwoof, uh, for... <laughs> Sorry. She says, what Danny goes through is almost a universal experience of trans women before they come out. They're in the party, but not of it. Always feel there's some joke they're just not getting. She then goes on to say that she connects, she sees the connection with the women that she meets in the village on the other side of the planet. They just know each other, and in being known, Danny finally feels the rush of knowing what home is. But I think I think there's a kind of like general kind of like otherness and um, just feeling like you don't belong in the world, and then finding a sort of weird magical environment where you suddenly sort of everyone wants you and everyone needs you. Yeah, I feel like for me the the queerest element of it was this idea of what a family can look like, maybe. Mm. And also that, I mean, maybe we'll talk about this more later, but the the kind of collective moments of grief they have where somebody is screaming or crying and they all kind of join in. And I think there's something really, like, I don't know, like this kind of like a collectiveness that I would identify as being very queer that you don't see, well, I don't see in, like, the, the the straight world. Yeah, and actually, I mean, it really kind of illustrates something in the film at the very beginning where, like, they all seem kind of, like, awkward and irritated with each other and, like, they're kind of friends but they're also kind of bickering a lot and the relationship, they're bickering a lot. Obviously, there's a separation with the family and uh, the distance and the suicide that kind of, like, mm. adds to that and at the end, the kind of, like, yeah, the togetherness um, in death, actually, as well. So, mm. yeah. So yeah, the film opens with um, actually like a depict this kind of beautiful like mural painting, um, 
And actually, as it's been pointed out by other people, if you look at it, it kind of like shows the narrative of what happens, um, starting with a kind of like dark, snowy, kind of bleak looking background with a kind of skull floating over it, moving over to summertime and what it looks like um, at the midsummer village that they go to. Um, so yeah, and then, and then it kind of, it's interesting actually because it kind of splits in two, opening like a curtain almost, it's quite kind of whimsical, and it opens onto kind of like quite a dark and snowy kind of like houses and quite of like bleak still lake, and then it goes to, to Danny, uh, the main gal, um, in her flat, um, worrying about her sister. And she, so, she speaks to... Christian first on the phone, who's just like, hey, I'm having a doobie with the guys. <laughs> the just, and pizza. Just, just kicking back with the doobs. Um, <laughs> um, so we only hear him to start with. Yeah, um, and then it cuts to him, actually. Do we see the suicide note before or after this? I think we, we see before, it right at the beginning, of actually. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so yeah, she's worrying about her sister who's mentally ill. Um, he's being quite unsupported, but maybe also sounds a bit burnt out from having to experience sort of drama with the sister multiple times by the sounds of it. Um, so yeah, so then she's like, she's sort of like talking about the note and you actually see it on the screen and it says like, I can't anymore. Everything is black. Mum and dad are coming too. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> that is that's how it was. Please read that again, screen. Alexa. <laughs> uh, sexy Alexa. <laughs> oh, I just can't anymore. <laughs> Everything's black. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Mum and Dad are coming. <laughs> um, let's see how long it's just like no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like he like, and she makes him admit that it's like. It does sound bad this time, but then he's also just like, going, yeah, it's kind of boring. And she's like, oh, thank you for actually making me realise that I'm overreacting. And then they hang up. And then it cuts to him in the the, the pizza place with his doobie friends. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like, oh my god, you need to break up with her, bro. You've been thinking about this for a long time. Why don't you get, like, a new hot chick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so his friends are um, the Swedish one, Pele. Yep. The one that looks like the bully off Toy Story 1, who's called... Mark. And then... Josh. Josh, who is played by the guy who plays... Is it Chiddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. Uh, The Good, the good Place. place. Yeah. And in a weird way, there are elements where he's quite similar to his character in that, where he's quite, like, kind of philosophical. Yeah. But also, he doesn't have any of the, like, warmth or no. loveliness well, of... No, he's been to be kind of serious academic. He's just very uptight, and he also, like, chastises um, Christian about, like, oh, you're just uh, having this girlfriend, John, because you're putting off your academia, mm. um, which obviously shows how serious he is about that. Um, yes. But, Whereas uh, most of us have used academia to put off having any girlfriend drama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, then um, you see a scene of her talking to her friend, actually. Who's called Amy. And we see this on a text message later, because I think one of the strangest things... I had this realisation, and it was when they're, like, in the car on the way, once they've arrived in Sweden, and she's, like, kind of bored at hearing them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, where are your girlfriends? Like, why Why have you kind of put yourself... I mean, this sounds a bit victim-blamey, but, like, why have you put yourself in a situation where you don't have a circle of 
girls around you. Yeah. But she does have a friend called Amy who texts her to check that she's okay, who ring, who she speaks to at the beginning, who has no judgment. Like, what's wrong with that friendship? Yeah, it's it's very <laughs> kind of like that. Um, well, I mean, it, it sort of like speaks to well the conversation that she has with Amy kind of like illustrates it a bit where she's sort of talking about how she doesn't want to lose Christian and she feels like she's being too much all the time and and. Um, and it, like yeah, she's putting too much baggage on him and pushing him away, and like she can feel him like slipping away, and it sort of like speaks to the fact that she's just so obsessed with maintaining this relationship and but holding we, on to we it. We never really see why though, like because we never see it looking good, good. or supportive. Like That's it's definitely true. at the tail end at the very beginning. The only bit where you see kind of like unconditional support, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, yeah. is where he leaves the doobie pizzeria to go and comfort her after she finds out about her family. And he just kind of holds her while she's, like, wailing. Yeah. Um, and she, he doesn't speak, he doesn't say anything, he he just holds her. And yeah. that is the only bit where she's kind of literally held by him. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting, actually, because I, I sort of got the sense, and I don't know whether I was just reading too much into nothing, but it felt like he was really, like, reluctant to, like, go and have to, like, comfort her. And there was kind of, like, a scene of him walking there where he looks a bit like, ugh... Um, but in his defense, if you were going to comfort your partner whose parents and oh, yeah, sister have just been. wouldn't be something to look forward to. Yeah, you wouldn't be like <laughs> skipping down the road. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get me some tonight. <laughs> Wee! Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's, I mean, skipping back. Um, like, he gets the call about the suicide in the pizzeria, and you hear the initial, like, screaming and wailing, like, through the phone. Um, and they do like a really good job of like just maintaining the intensity and the guttural sort of like screaming for like a really, really long time. Um, like the only tiny bit you don't hear actually from the phone call is just like when he's walking there and then he gets there mm. and it's just like scream, 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 scream. Um, and the kind of intensity and the kind of like grossness of it really reminded me of that scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where she wakes up tied to the table and she's just screaming solidly for like minutes. I think that kind of like, sort of non-stop screaming where you're kind of like begging for it to be over because it's so horrible. It's just like such a good move. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something about... Um, I do think that... Uh, what's the name of the actress who plays Danny? Oh, God. It's famous. Yes, I know. <laughs> Pew. Oh, Florence. Yes. Pew. That's it. Um, she, I, I think she's an incredible actress in this. I think she has these moments where... Her the way that she responds to things is exactly how I imagine somebody would in real life, which you don't know, can't only say about actors. Yeah, <laughs> and that that kind of animalistic scream is like I think it's one of the scariest bits in the film. Just the, the way that she responds yeah. to that because it's kind of like it 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 kind of gets you back up a bit. It's so like you can kind of imagine that someone mm. that's gone through that kind of trauma would respond in a way that doesn't even sound human anymore. Yeah, it's it's disgusting and disturbing in, in the right way. And great. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> and I lived for it. Um, but then it cuts to her waking up in the bed and Christian knocking on the door being like, hey, I'm going to go to that party. Just for 45 minutes. Uh, is, that, yeah. is that literally the next day then? I don't, it doesn't really say what the passage of time is, like, you don't know. But it is, like, daylight, 
Um, it's definitely a day. Yeah. <laughs> or is it? Is it still dark? I can't remember. But yeah, there, there, there's that bit actually where you see like the poster on her bed wall with the kind of like the giant bear and the little girl, which kind of is a foreshadow. I keep saying foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> Le- learn new word, babes. <laughs> <laughs> and also foreshadowing. Four, five shadowing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she <clears throat> she comes to the party and is looking at me like, meh. Um, like you would. <laughs> um, and um, and then she actually just yeah, sorry yeah. to cut you off here, but Please. I feel like there is this expect because uh, the first time I watched the film, I didn't really feel particularly kind of empathetic towards either of the two main characters. Mm. This time, I felt much warmer towards Danny. Me too. And I, I think now that I obviously know how it turns out, know that. Uh, Christian is objectively a dick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She um, that she's always expected to be the bigger person whenever there's a dispute. Yeah, and like even if it's like, oh, I know I should be staying here to comfort you, but actually I'm just going to go to that party. And she's like, no, no, it's fine, I'll come. And then later when they take the mushrooms, and she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, okay, I don't want to. And then the yeah. friends, and then she's like, no, fine, okay, I will. And it's like this. She always she is always kind of bending down. to yeah, to exactly. whatever he needs. Yeah, and you see that with all of the arguments. Actually, in the argument that's about to come up from the, what, they, what she finds out at the party. So she's at the party and then she finds out that actually all, all the pizza gang um, uh, are going to Sweden for some weird festival um, with Pele, who's uh, part of the pizza gang. Um, <laughs> the Swedish pizza. Uh, one slice of pizza, please uh, uh, hold the Pele. <laughs> um, and so it's like she finds out that her boyfriend's going away for like a month and a half at this party, and she's just like, "What?" And then when and then he's like, "Oh, it's just a maybe, um, good." And then he's like, "But he's like already got the, the plane ticket and those plans." Um, so they get home and have a huge row about it because she's like, "What the fuck." Um, and he's like, oh, um, actually, um, uh, uh, I was going to invite you, so it was meant to be romantic. You've ruined the surprise. Yeah, <clears throat> like basically trying to make her feel terrible, even though it's obviously an afterthought, which you find out that it definitely is, um, moments later, um, where it cuts to him hanging out with Pizza Gang, and, um, that's <laughs> the official name, Academic Pizza Gang. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't know whose house it is. Pele's? Anyway. Um, just, just some doobie den. Doobie den. Um, <laughs> and, um, and he, like, Christian just announces to the group, oh, by the way, uh, Danny's here and also she's uh, coming on holiday, but she's not really, but just tell her that she's invited, but she's not actually coming. Mm. <clears throat> um, and then uh, she comes up and they're like, the thing is I really hate how frosty and awkward the group are. They're like, I guess how men are, I suppose. Well, except Pele. Pele, <laughs> but we find out why later yeah. on. But... I mean, I think the... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to keep trying to defend these awful men. <laughs> you just love men. Not all men. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all... right. They're all dicks. <laughs> I will accept it. Go smoke a doobie, dickhead. <laughs> Stick that in your pizza. <laughs> But he was like, just like, he's like, oh, you know what happened to her. Like, just be kind. And like, Mark especially is just like, oh God, I can't believe this. Blah. 
Um, I feel like maybe more than any of the others, he plays a really one-note character, though. Yeah. He's supposed to just be a dick. Yeah, he's um, just, like, annoying all the time and quite kind of demanding and irritating. Um, and and also seems younger than the rest of them as well. Yeah, he kind of looks younger, actually. But well, it's because he, he looks, looks like, like the bully of Toy, uh, Toy Story 1. <laughs> <laughs> he's just missing the braces and the skull teeth. <laughs> so, at that, um, at that sort of, gathering, uh, Danny arrives and they're like, hey, you're coming, yay. But like, even Marcus just like can't even feign enthusiasm. He's like, Ugh, fuck you. Mm. Um, and then... But Pele and her have a moment yeah. where he seems genuinely pleased that she's coming and we find that's a little bit of <laughs> foreshadowing. Stop stealing my bird. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then he, he tries to draw a parallel between their experiences by being like, I know how you feel. I lost my parents at a very young age. And she immediately freaks out, freaks out and runs into the so toilet. Triggered. And there's a second time where family is mentioned and she runs off and can't deal with it. That's the trippy mushroom yeah. scene. Yeah. Um, but then she ends up in the toilet in the plane. So they're on the plane. Oh, yeah. And also, well, she ends up going to the toilet actually in the, the mushrooms bit as well, weirdly. Anyway, I don't think there's any symbolism in the toilet. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Every time you mention family, she pisses herself. <laughs> but actually, well, no, we'll come back to that. Um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, she just like, it kind of cuts forward to, oh, the other thing I wanted to say actually was that, um, in Pele mentions that, um, he lost his parents in a fire. Does he at that point, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he does. Um, and so it's just a bit like, hmm, was that ritualistic? Well, because later what he says, de- when they're sat on the bed together, definitely suggests, because he, he doesn't say they, they like, were killed in a fire. He says they, they, they burned to death, or they were burned to death or something. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I was just like, making note of that. Um, and, but um, also, this is one thing where I didn't quite understand. So they do Midsummer every year. No, every 90 years. <clears throat> but they do some of the rituals every year. Yes, but we'll, we'll talk about Do you understand how, which parts are annual and which parts are yes. every 90 years? Well, none, <clears throat> of it, none of it is annual. But we'll come, yeah, so, well, I don't want to spoil it. Well, they, 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 they all, they all <laughs> picked up on the rituals very quickly, considering none of them would have been alive the last time it was all done. That is true, <laughs> They must actually. have been rehearsing for weeks. Yeah. And this is the bit where I put a kipper in her mouth. I mean, it does look quite a boring <laughs> village. I don't know how to Yeah, they've probably got nothing else to do. <laughs> Um, Especially with no new newcomers to seduce. No, yeah, no, no internet. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they end up on the plane. And then, yeah, they arrive and um, she's just in the car looking out the window and it's just a like, shot on her and you hear like uh, the guys just like chatting random shit and like she's like zoning in, zoning in and out and she gets like a message from Amy, like you said, um, which I don't think she replies to. What does it say? Can you remember? No... It's just it's kind a, of, oh, it's happy checking. birthday for tomorrow. Uh, uh, just checking you've landed it okay, yeah. or blah, blah. And she's like, okay, but let's reply to that stinking Amy. I just want to listen to me cry. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to reply to my actual friend oh, yeah. who cares about me <laughs> and, and remembers my birthday. Do hate me, including my boyfriend. <laughs> um, but we'll see who gets the last one. Hit <laughs> <laughs> <It> me. <laughs> So, yeah, then, then it, they're driving along and then all of a sudden the camera like turns upside down and they're driving on the ceiling. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, it, I, which I, yeah, I, mean, I think it's meant to represent them going into a weird new world. And then they end up parking up in this 
big field and there's loads of other people and then like Pelly's like come this is the young people from my village oh that was a verging <laughs> on an accent <laughs> uh, but now I'll, I'll refrain uh, <laughs> I think we could do a Swedish accent that's fine <laughs> okay. we have their furniture we can have their accent as well <laughs> we paid them in furniture um, um, so, so yeah and then they just literally immediately just like take mushrooms I think this is, I mean, I don't find it a particularly scary film in terms of, like, big scare moments, but it's generally, like, you feel uneasy the whole way through. But for me, the drug scenes are some of the most difficult to watch. Yeah. Um, but It's this idea that she's only really barely consented to taking drugs at that time. Like, she's doing it to mm. to appease everybody else. Yeah, she already doesn't feel great. settled. She's gone through this awful traumatic experience and all of a sudden she's taking these kind of like wild hallucinogenic drugs where your hand becomes grass and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, like, well, I, as we've discussed, like, we've never tried hallucinogens so we're actually a little bit terrified of them. Um, and this kind of like goes uh, along with reinforcing that terror. Um, so, uh, and, and so then she gets up and kind of runs towards this group of uh, people from the village who are sat in a circle mm. and they all just turn around and start laughing at it. And she... she so there's also this other otherness, which is that she doesn't understand what they're saying yeah. while they're laughing. And also, we don't know if that even happens because it's such a trippy moment. Yeah, and um, and yeah, then she bumps into Pelly's brother, um, Ingmar. Ingmar, yes, good morning. Thank you, Grand- um, grandma. <laughs> grandma. <laughs> brother, um, grandma. <laughs> and um, and uh, he's like, "Oh, come and eat my friend," and she's like, "They're laughing at me." <laughs> um, and he's like, "No, I don't think so. They're just laughing." Um, and then she goes to the toilet, um, in a a mirroring of the situation in the house, um, to escape everything. Um, and there's a flash... Oh, we should say, she gets up and runs away from the rest of them when... Oh, yeah. I think it's Mark says, uh, you guys are my family, you're like my actual family. Yeah. And it's that kind of repetition of family where she's just like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. And she's like, (laughs) she's like walking along going like, it's okay, it's nearly my birthday, I'll be fine, it's my birthday. (laughs) I I can cry if I want to. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Everyone will be paying me attention. (laughs) I am. The birthday I'll just be surrounded by presents and just having all, <laughs> living my best life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, then she goes to the toilet to sort of like calm down. It's pitch black, and she lights a match. And standing behind her for a she, I, no, second. I think there's just like a little light over the mirror that she switches on. Does she light a match. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And um, you see like a flash of what you can assume is her sister, but I mean it's so like blurry and oh, dark. What? I, I th- see. I thought it looked like a mask on the wall, like a sort of carved, like quite uh, flat, kind of two D sort of mask. Yeah. But you see it so quickly that you assume it's like a face. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's you can sort of see a body a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's just like a split second. You're like blinking, you miss it, and then she like runs out into the trees um, and is wailing and crying. And then she wakes up. She's woken up by Christian, and it's been six hours. Yeah. Yeah, and so then, and they're all just like standing around, really eye rolly, really like done with her again, like the whole film. <laughs> like, oh, you again existing. <laughs> Classic grieving Danny. Yeah, oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. Why did you even sleep? Disgusting. <laughs> um, 
So then, yeah, they... They, like, backpack into the... They, like, hike into the... Yeah, they leave mm. the vehicle there, don't they? Just, like, backpack into it. Yeah. It's like they're going through the forest and they're, like... They're, somebody's like, this is taking ages. How do you know where we're going? Which is obviously each other, like, being like, you'll never escape this place. It's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and they enter to the chorus of flutes. Oh, flutes. I have to say, I live for the soundtrack of this film. <laughs> like, the kind of, like folksy, creepy, kind of tuneless classical instruments with a kind of like wob, 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 wob. It's, like, it's what I listen to anyway. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think I'd have the time of my life at midsummer. <laughs> it's like wearing a lovely white dress, listening to the flutes, like just getting really whooped up and everything. <laughs> I, think, I think I'd be really susceptible to the peer pressure as well. Just like, <laughs> Yay, that's <laughs> like, like cheering when grandma jumps off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I, I nominate me. <laughs> um, but yeah, to rewind, they arrive through some kind of like weird, like magical sunshine-looking hole um, into like this kind of really like idyllic-looking sort of village meadow um, with yeah flutes and everyone's wearing white and like uh, sort of like just dancing around and playing flutes and <laughs> there's like a cow and there's a sheep um, oh, uh, yeah oh. um, and um, and just everyone's having a lovely time really it's really interesting the way that the man is it is it Pele's father I think oh no because his parents are dead well, um, the thing is, I think that it's kind of implied, although maybe I'm just making it up, that basically the whole village are just one big family, just not not by blood, but just slightly... Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, a family member who's older yeah. greets them and says, welcome, 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 and then turns to Danny and says, welcome home. Yes. Um, and it's kind of yeah. uh, kind of blinking, you'll miss it kind of moment. Yeah, but, and um, there's a funny little bit as well, so it's like, they're looking at his little, like, frock, and they're just like, he's like, my frock? Quite girly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's his response to a compliment. Yeah. What, this old thing? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, also, I think he references something about hermaphrodite there. I think it's a language thing, and he's talking about Aphrodite, because he's talking oh, about the goddess. I thought he was talking about, like, yeah. Like he, the... d- he does say hermaphrodite, but yeah. I think he means Aphrodite. Oh, okay. Uh, so they go and watch the kind of initial opening ceremony uh, part. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, which is partially in Swedish and then partially in English. Yeah. Where they're just kind of welcoming everyone. And uh, Josh, is his name Josh? Yeah, yeah. He asks if he can take pictures because he's... So uh, we should say that they are... So Christian and Josh are both anthropologists. Um, and it's... Are they doing a PhD? It sounds like they're doing a PhD. Yeah, yeah, PhD. So <clears throat> as someone who dabbled in academia myself... I know that a lot of stupid people do PhDs, but I cannot believe that Christian would be doing a PhD because he's beyond stupid. Like, I just can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I just, I find it difficult to buy. But anyway, so they're really, um, I think this is one of the really interesting arcs of it for me is Josh's role as like an anthropologist who's coming in to kind of observe this other culture. Yeah. Because... It's quite subversive in a way to have the one black character being the kind of fly on the wall who's looking into this kind of mm. this kind of uh, very kind of alien culture because historically, like kind of ethnography and anthropology has been very much about you know the white man going to look Observe at other cultures and, and yeah, <clears throat> um, and I think that's really uh, 
interesting and it's kind of echoed a little bit where what does he say it in response to but the Danny asks Pele for permission to do something and she says he says oh you're an American just jam yourself in there oh yeah 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 um, that's when they're, they're doing like a funny dance where they're all oh yeah, dance. yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah, and I think there's something really interesting about kind of like uh, the kind of the outside observer observing this culture. And I mean, in this sort of a film anyway, you like in Wicker Man, for example, you have the main character who's the, pol- the police officer. Mm. And even though you don't like him as a viewer, you're seeing it through his eyes because he's from the culture that you recognize. And he's the kind of your eyes in a way. And in yeah. this film, we've got like four of them. Um that's but there is, like, a really explicit character who is there to observe this other culture. So it's kind of quite... Um, it's almost... Maybe it's not, but it almost feels to me like they're referencing what your role as a viewer is as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it's interesting, actually, because obviously as well, like, um, like when they've been there for a while, um, and, um, like, yeah, Christian realises it's really interesting and kind of iconic um, in a horrible way. <laughs> Um, he then admits to Josh that he's going to be also doing uh, writing his thesis, writing about his thesis. and actually Josh uses the word appropriation about the way that he's taking his idea which is yeah interesting yeah. Sort of <clears throat> it's also interesting in terms of like academia the idea of uh, you know a person of colour doing all the labour and then yeah. uh, a, a, a white man who's utterly talentless coming in and yeah. kind of sweeping in and uh, and being like, yes, I want a bit of this. And he wants to co-write it with him at first. But then he's like, well, I'll just do it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah. Um, but that's after we've... we've yeah. So when does... So, yeah, so we skipped ahead a little bit in that argument. But where, where, where are we? So they've, they've joined the little dancey gang. And they're sitting around like having beers and stuff. With they, oh, the other the other couple who's there, who's Simon and Connie. Yeah, they're from, they're from London. London. <clears throat> yeah, they're from London. They're from London. <laughs> um, we know them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they are the... Uh, so everyone in this kind of cult slash community are white. Uh, but uh, Connie and... What's his name? Uh, Simon. Connie and Simon uh, are, uh, are mixed race. So yeah, and they are friends with... Um, they are friends with... Ingmar, who is Pele's brother. brother, and like yeah, like obviously they're his recruits. Um, yeah. So they talk, so he sh- they show them into the big kind of like beautiful kind of barn thing that they'll be sleeping oh, in, yeah. and uh, Pele explains to them the kind of the four age cycles that they go that they live through. So you're a young person until you're thirty six, and that is the spring, and then from thirty six, no. You're a, oh, can you remember this? <clears throat> so yes, yeah, I don't remember exactly it, the ages, but it's, so it's you're, spring, you're a child. Yeah, summer, summer is from like age 15 to 36, I think it was. Yeah, and then... And that, it, during that time you go on like a missionary? No, a pilgrimage. Yes. Uh, where you're supposed to, and I guess you go away and then you bring them back. Yeah, that's <clears> obviously <throat> what he's been doing. Um, his pilgrimage is just to, yeah, I guess yeah. everyone's pilgrimage is to collect people. And then the autumn is from 36 to 52, which is when you're a worker. And then from 52 to 72? Or or 56, yeah. And that's when you're a mentor. Yes. And then Danny says, what happens when you're 17? And... 72. uh, 72. (laughs) um, And Pele kind of goes... 
and does the like yeah. hand across the the Sweetie, throat move. Yeah, and she's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> of course you are joking. <laughs> <laughs> so then they leave the pyramid. Oh, no, they leave uh, the barn they're staying in, um, and they look over and there's a giant yellow pyramid, and one of them's like, "What's that?" And he's like, um, it's just a secret, uh, sort of spiritual it's place. A secret that, temple. That you're uh, not allowed to know about. <laughs> uh, don't talk about it. Shh, shh, shh. Um, I, I don't see a, a yellow pyramid temple. <laughs> and Connie's like, looks like she's like, oh, this looks interesting as well. The laundry. But actually what it is, is a big kind of like bit of fabric where it illustrates this kind of like, in a comic book style, actually, where it's like, shows like a girl menstruating and reaching age and like, um, cutting her pubes and then basically like feeding it to a love interest and you see like these kind of like mesmerized eyes on the man um, which obviously is some kind of love ritual which uh, comes up later in the film foreshadowing again <laughs> um, but yeah so then then they have um, a meal um, and the table is arranged in a rune and actually there's, there's a rune earlier which I forgot to talk about which is uh in the shape of an R, which is a radio, um, and the R uh, in that situation represents travel and destiny, which is obviously them arriving and their destiny being there. And then this one is the shape of Ohala. Um, what shape is that? I actually can't remember the shape of it, but um, oh, it's, it's is like, it the kind of inter like kind it's of? It's like a, I think it's like a square with like two lines coming off the bottom. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and um, and that one means like heritage and group order um, and plenty, and they do reference that um, in the ritual that they they just then go to witness. Um, uh, so so yeah, after that meal, like there's two older people who uh, sashay up to the table in lovely uh, <laughs> denim gowns, yes. um, and then get carried away in funny little chairs with their legs dangling. And they end up at these giant white cliffs, um, and you see the older people going up. Um, and everyone else is stood. Everyone else is stood. <laughs> like so, they're at the top of the cliff, and everyone else is stood beneath. And you kind of guess what's going to happen, but you're also like, no. But also, the thing I really like, having watched it a second time, is seeing that... So, uh, Josh has already alluded to the fact that he he knows what this ritual is, and uh, he kind yeah. of doesn't believe that, that it's actually going to happen. But he looks kind of gleeful, which is kind of, like, strange as well. Well, I think that's his idea of, like, I've got an open mind, this is another culture, yeah. I'm learning, sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas Christian and uh, Danny have this... Oh, they, they, you can tell that they kind of know what's going to happen, because they're kind of, like, you know, kind of yeah, looking very like, anxious and heavy breathing, and, like... The, the old lady's up first, um... And she says it's up a cliff. And actually, at that point, she looks down and it looks like she's making eye contact with Danny. And then, yeah, she, Danny's just like, oh my god, no! So she, she like, um, I love the way that they that they land. Yes. <laughs> um, like, you see it, but it's from quite far back. And she, like, she falls kind of, like, front down. Yeah. And, like, just, like, like splat. It's really kind of un, like, glamorous. It's yeah, just like, yeah. boof. It's just like, <clears throat> and they're like, oh my god, no! Um, and weirdly, actually, at this point, because it's like, Danny gets, like, kind of, like, in this weird trance state, and is kind of emphasised by the director with a kind of blurry background, and she's, like, she's kind of, like, she's quite calm, like, like you know, like, shock, but also just, like, quite peaceful in a weird way. Um, whereas everyone around her is, like, slow-mo going, like, no. 
Well, all the newcomers are. Yeah, yeah, yeah Everyone yeah, else yeah. is just, like, living for it. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, but Simon and Connie, actually, the ones that are reacting the strongest to it, they're just like, oh my god. But actually, they don't leave until after. They, they do more so after the second jump. Yeah. Uh, which is the old man. Yeah. Um, and that death is particularly unglamorous. <laughs> because he goes feet first, <laughs> and he survives, but you see his legs are both, like, kind of bent Yeah, like, all his and, like, bones kind of bloody around. stumps. Gross. <clears throat> um, and so then they, like, they kill a giant mallet. The, the uh, procession with the ceremonial <laughs> mallet. And they're all, like, wailing, the, 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 the villagers. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And, um, and then they, like, properly smush his head in, like, yeah, like, three times until it's, like, flat as a pancake. Um, Danny is still just like in this kind of like weird delirious state and Simon and Connie are just like what the fuck oh my god this is fucked this, this is, is fucked, fucked. Um, the um, <clears throat> I think when we saw it in the cinema the, the scene where his head's being like smashed with a mallet mm-hmm. um, and it's it goes beyond overkill because they keep hitting like they line up and hit him with the um, really uh, was like the one time for me where it was very apparent that this was by the same person that did Hereditary. Yeah. Um, because of the, the beheading scene in that. Like, just oh, kind of yeah. very shocking, like, like very graphic. Um, yeah. It doesn't kind of... it's there's, there's nothing left to the imagination. Like, you see it all. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's so Simon and Connie are just, like, running off like, whoa, it's gross. Um, I feel like one of the group is also, like, kind of bombing or something. And yeah, and then, like, um, there's it's a rare bit of translation where, like, um, uh, is it Ingmar? Yeah, like, uh, the woman's like, Ingmar, did you not tell them about what it was? Um, which is weird, actually, because obviously they don't, nobody knows what it is until then. Well, P- uh, Pele refused to tell his friends what it was. He'll like, yeah. oh, it's too weird, you just have to see it, sort of thing. Yeah. And so, and then the a kind of, like, senior woman who has, like, a red hat. <laughs> yeah. She kind of explains that it's like, you know, life is a cycle, this is a beautiful thing, you know, yeah. I look, you know, I, I will welcome this when it's my time, which will be very soon, sort yeah. of thing. And actually, like, weirdly, I kind of get it. Like, she describes it as, like, you know, they talk about it a bit later and they say, like, well, I mean, like, you know, you look at the way that we deal with uh, the ageing population and putting them into care homes and watching them slowly die, um, like, in an undignified manner where this is, like, a ceremonial kind of, like, celebration of the end of their life, which is, yeah, it's, I kind of was sold on this bit. Like, I was like, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I mean, it was pretty. It was probably a bit more graphic than it needs to be. Yeah, right? Maybe yeah, just maybe just slip them some tablets or something. Yeah. But um, but also, it just seems like a practical kind of like way of like. You seem a bit too on board with no, this. No, I, I, like, I, I see it for me basically. Like, <laughs> I get too old, and I just feel like I'm just like I don't know. Well, like, I, being younger than you, do not want to see you jump off a cliff well, <laughs> because I'm I, sorry. I expect I'll have to carry the, have to the ceremonial yeah. mallet, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I've got the. The upper body strength. <laughs> yeah, so they're all kind of freaked out, and they're a bit. Um, but then she explains it to them, and then um, this is uh, the next bit is like an extra bit that wasn't in the original that we saw in the cinema. This and is, I uh, can see why it was cut. Yeah, I don't think it was necessary. Um, and it's a strange bit because again, it's like in the dark, um, which uh, we don't see much of, and was not anywhere in the. I don't think in the, in the actual theatrical release. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's just like, so it's like, basically it's just uh, Christian and Danny arguing. I don't know what the other ones are meant to be. Actually. I, I did, actually, I did like that argument. I thought it was really good. <clears throat> yeah. But the, the, the other ritual that happens afterwards, I think, was maybe unnecessary. But yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of strange because, obviously, Danny looks like she's kind of like, like I said, like in a trance, kind of just like, 
almost kind of understanding it, like looking like she's. But she like, wants to leave, though. Oh yeah, but that's it's what weird. the argument is about. But it's strange because I wonder. I mean, uh, this is me sort of projecting, or sort of like reading between the lines. But I just wonder whether it's like actually she's shocked at herself. Oh, actually, this argument happens after the river scene, <clears throat> or the lake scene, or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. So yes, yeah, sorry. There's a bit before that where um, so they cut straight to it's the dark and they go to the river and and uh, they they uh, throw like tree that looks like a Christmas tree. Um, into the water, um, and they're like, it's it's all very like kind of staged. It's kind of, there's obviously like a script, and yeah. so they they're like, we've given the lake our, um, we've given uh, you know the, our mother the uh, our best fruit bearing tree and all of our jewels. What more could we give? And then a young boy, yeah, I, I didn't realize that it was a boy until afterwards um, because they're quite androgynous and they have long hair, and they're also dressed as a Christmas tree. <laughs> they are dressed as a Christmas tree, which is famously a woman's role. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so they do a whole bit where they like clamp weights onto his uh, ankles and give him a big rock and chain him to it, and they look like they're about to throw him in the water. And Danny's like, no! Well, it's interesting, actually, because this bit is where Danny accidentally becomes part of the ritual. Because obviously part of it is that they all start saying, no, no, he's shown that he's brave enough so we don't have to do it. But she believing that it's actually going to happen is the first one to be like, stop! And then they all join in with her. Yeah. Um, And so they don't, they don't end up throwing him in the water. Phew. But Um, he doesn't necessarily have a good end. No. Um... (laughs) So then, but then they have like the argument because she's like, "This has gone too far," like which is weird because really the argument should have happened after the people actually died. Yes, <laughs> I feel like they could have kept the argument in and got rid of that scene because I'm not yeah. sure it really did anything. Um, but yeah, like um, it's yeah, it's strange. Um, I, what what do they even say in the argument? I think it's just, oh, they so kind of talk about their relationship a bit, don't they? Like she's like. I should have noticed you were pulling away from me. And he's like, he's like, you gave me flowers and it made me feel like shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like this. I think this is the strongest dialogue in the film, actually. Yeah. That argument, because it kind of feels quite real, where he's, he obviously feels like he's failing her in some way. It's... But he's putting it on her and saying, like, everything you do, because he'd forgotten her birthday, which yes. we missed. And then the next day she... Picked some flowers and gave them to him in front of everyone, and he's now using this as like, you know, you, what what was that about? She was like, I was just being kind, like I, well, there was no forethought to it. I was just giving you some flowers that I'd picked, and he was like, No, you're making me feel bad that I'm never enough, and I yeah. I'm not giving you enough, and it's it's a really good argument. Yeah, but actually, it's kind of a little bit incongruous with their relationship because it feels like Christian really isn't invested anymore. And so, like, it's kind of strange that he'd be like, you're making me feel bad if he's so, like, I don't know. Like, Well, because he's putting it on her. Yeah. So he's, which is kind of like a classic man thing to do. Yes. Like, um, yeah. no, this is actually all your fault. I'm feeling bad because of what you've done, even though you gave me literal flowers. Yeah, which um, is kind of what he al- does a lot, like, throughout the film. But also, it's like when we are watching it, I said to you that they they are just a bad couple. Like, you, yeah, you, yeah. we obviously catch them at the tail end of their relationship, but you just... You, I can't understand why either of them is sticking around. If anything, I can understand why he's sticking around more because you wouldn't want to break up with a woman just after all of her family have been slain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess maybe in that same way, like she doesn't want to be alone. Well, what about bloody Amy? Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, just Amy, on the other end exactly. of the phone. Yeah, so <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess uh, another case of like uh, heteronormativity, kind of uh, being a prison. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, but they, they, they have the argument and they go back to the barn and they sleep. We find out that he's now decided that he wants to do, to write this thesis right, right. on this Christian, that is. Yes. And Josh is outraged, but they ask Pele about it and Pele's just like, the elders are not going to allow you to do this. Yeah. But then eventually he speaks to them and they agree that they can s- use this as a case study as long as they don't use any of their names or the locations and keep them completely anonymous. At which point they've kind of also... Who is it that's argued that it's not going to get peer-reviewed, it's not going to be valuable research if Hello. it's all an- anonymous anyway? Hello. So yeah, it's... <clears throat> this is like the kind of... The tension between Josh and Christian becomes really intensified here. Um... And then Josh is also... So they have this book... That I guess is their kind of like Bible, which is mentioned earlier on, and uh, Josh wants to see it. Uh, Pele initially says no, but then he does get to see it um, with one of the elders in the pyramid. Yeah. Or maybe it's not in the pyramid. No, it's not in the pyramid. It's in... No, it's in a separate... Because yeah. the pyramid's secret is... And it's basically like, it's all written in runes. It's been It's got loads of blank pages at the back. It's been written by different people over the years. The current person who's writing it is... The most problematic character? Yes, Rupert. Uh, Reuben. Oh, Reuben. I yes. Rupert. <laughs> uh, Rupert the Bear. Rupert. Um, so Reuben is, has, uh, has some sort of disability that, so his... Yeah, he's he a facial kind of, disfigurement, like, um, yeah. And I mean, he's, I mean, he, he's ultimately the, he's in there for shocks, because I remember when the trailer for this film came out, he was featured quite heavily in the, in the trailer, but yeah. he's not in the film very much. He's and it's, in it for like a few minutes, really. And it seems to be done for shock factor. Yeah. And we'll maybe talk about this more when we talk about kind of representation yeah, and yeah. stuff. But he, um, it, it's mentioned that he he was kind of chosen to write this these new pages because he, they say, he, well, the, the, uh, the elder says that he was unclouded with normal cognition. Yeah. Um, so that he kind of... Uh, he has like a kind of freer spirit. He is kind of pure and innocent. So his kind of... And what he does is he kind of like finger paints on the pages. Yeah. Um, and then they rooms. kind of interpret what he's drawn or painted. Yeah. Um, and that, and he also says that he is like an intentional product of inbreeding. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's very problematic, but we'll talk more about that. Um, and he asks whether you can take a photo of the book, and uh, the guy like flips out, he's like, "No, absolutely, no, 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 no." Yeah. So then, like, you can see him being like, "I want to though." <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, is it the pube bit next? Uh, so wait. So then, um, there's a bit, and so there's a bit. There's some bits here where, like, um, I don't know why. Maybe it's oh, Christian is going off like trying to do his own research. And he actually asked one of the villagers, uh, sort of insensitively, like, um, whether there's quite a lot of incest going on, which is just like, you know, his kind of outsider kind of like, oh, what a quirky community. They must all be like deranged, um, which they are, but I mean, I, yeah, you don't know that they're incesty. Um, <laughs> if you um, incest. Um, but, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so then but, uh, Danny's in the the barn by herself and actually Christian comes in to talk to her. And um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of the, the beginning, I think, of um, showing that like they really want, well, I mean, it's hinted at, but properly showing that they want her as part of the community, um, where he starts basically slagging, Pele starts slagging off Christian, saying like, oh, is he really there for you? And like, and then says like, do you feel held by him? Um, does he feel like home? 
um, and kind of like talking up the village and how he was always like felt at home here after <clears> his parents died. And that's when he alludes more directly to the fact that his parents were probably sacrificed in yes. a fire. So yeah, and then, then so then this bit is um, she's also I don't know the yeah the order, but she's walking around by herself uh, through the village, and she sort of looks in a little like um, like kitchen barn where all the women are there like preparing pies, um, and um, and she looks a bit like wistfully like well, I wish I was in there and carries on walking. I'd love to make a pie. I'd love also pies me. and putting my hands on some pies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and any pies for little me? <laughs> um, and then, like one of the women, like beckons her, like to help, um, and so she takes part in the the pie making process. Um, it's it's also really notable from the very beginning, especially on a second watch, that they that the villagers are so warm and welcoming to Danny, but not so much to the men. Um, like she's immediately kind of welcomed, it, especially by the by the women. Yes, but yeah, like it's strange actually because I wonder whether. Um, Connie and Simon, like whether they were meant to be the ones that were the kind of like centre of the ritual at the end, um, like an option, I guess. Uh, but you don't I mean, really. It's ever... good to have options, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you never see like the women being very warm to Connie. But um, but maybe that's just because they don't really focus on them very much. So yeah, then they go. But to... also, could that be because once they see them, they've got this blonde white girl that looks like she's Scandinavian (laughs) (laughs) versus two mixed race people and like and Christian is like a redhead and pasty (laughs) like maybe it's to do with kind of their kind of (laughs) racist aesthetic yeah so so the next bit after she's been involved in the making of the pies is them sitting down eating the said pies um and um I don't actually know. I couldn't. You can't see the shape of the table in this to make a runic discovery. Um, but yeah, you notice uh, very clearly that Christian's uh, drink looks a very different colour from the rest of them. It's like a darker kind of reddy colour. Um, and so they all start eating their pies, and then he finds like a little pube. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he's like, oh, it's a pew. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, Mark especially is obviously uptight and shouty. He's like, oh, fucking pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I mean, I would be the same if I found a pew in my pie. I don't, I, well, it's... Get your pubes out of my pie. <laughs> I mean, if I was at home alone, yeah. Or, like, but I, don't, I guess, like, if you're at, like, a sort of... Just kind of politely pluck it out of your teeth and maybe put it in your serviette. Yes, Quaint pube in my pie. <laughs> All of these quaint backwards people in their pubes. Um, and, and you see him also having a sip of his slightly different coloured drink. Um, and yeah, it's obviously alluding to periods and pubes, which was on the, the comic illustration earlier. Um, so Mark is taken away by the... Oh, yes. Yeah, so, by the, the girl that's been giving him the glad eye. Yes. So, and this is another bit. Um, Mark... Uh, takes a piss on their old tree which is oh, where yeah. they put all their like um, the ashes of the ancestors kind of, yeah um, and um, and yeah and, and that obviously results in his death well I don't know they would have died anyway at some point I'm guessing um, but yeah like it, it, yeah because they needed nine people to sacrifice yeah um, and so yeah so he gets taken away and it looks like he's going to you know get some um, but really, he's just going to get some death. Mm. <laughs> and, and, then, and then, so then Josh, at night time, goes and visits the book again to um, take some pictures. And actually, an interesting bit there 
is that they really focused on the fact that he's still wearing shoes and uh, has the letter N on the shoes. And oh yeah, you see that because he goes to bed with his shoes on. Yes, and um, and yes, that's uh, in runes is uh, nautilus, um, and um, and it, it represents compulsion and pain, um, which obviously is illustrated in what happens. Uh, so, yeah, so he sneaks into the Forbidden Barn. Um, to take pictures of the Forbidden, forbidden Book. book. <laughs> With his Forbidden Camera. Yes. Um, and then he is joined by who he believes to be Mark. Yes. But it's actually someone with their trousers off. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that. But yeah, I just, I just zoned, in on, zoned in on the peen. Um, 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 so, yeah. And, it, I was, and he's got, like... Mark's face. Yeah, and, and I was thinking, like, obviously the first time around I noticed this is, like, they obviously chose Mark because he has such, like, distinctive eyebrows so that when he was skinned and, like, being worn as a mask, it would be, like, recognisable. I mean, it's still barely recognisable. I still didn't recognise him. I, I, I guess it was only after a repeat viewing that I was like, oh, it's that guy off Toy Story's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he's like, what are you doing here, Mark? And then there's a sudden, like, bonk. Um, and uh, bitch goes down. (laughs) Bitch goes down from behind. Um, uh, Um, and then... So the next day, they're just like, the book's been stolen. Yes. Um, and also your two friends are missing. This is suspicious. But also, we didn't talk about how Connie and Simon go missing. But I think this is this morning. Uh, so Simon has gone without Connie, because they're going to be taken to the... To their car or to the railway station. Or yeah, they've been driven to the um, railway station, and he makes up some elaborate thing like the villagers says, so like, "Oh, he left without you because it, the timing meant that it was too tight for you, and there was no room for you, so they're going to come back for you." And she's like, "Bullshit! I don't think so." Um, and it was a bit more screamy and complainy. Um, but then eventually they take her, and, and we never, and we see, never them see them, and they say, "Oh, they were reunited again. It's fine." Yes, they're all fine, <clears> and they go home. So yeah, so actually then uh, they have a meal on a big long table this time, actually. I don't know whether this one's actually meant to represent anything, but it is a symbol. It's um, So it's like, what is it, like being trapped um, and destiny. Um, um, and so, and just not seeing the importance of the situation that you're in. Um, and so I guess that's a, what's, again, foreshadowing, um, <laughs> the, what's about to happen, which is the Maypole ceremony, where we find out who the Quan is. And the, the May Quan. The May Quan. Um, so is the dance after that? Yes. So, so they do this dance around the, and it's called like the dance to death or something, <laughs> yeah, yeah. where they dance around the Maypole and the last, it's like a Royal Rumble, and they're all like bashing into each other and throwing yeah. up and stuff, and then the last one standing wins. At this point, Christian is taken off by the woman with the red hat. Yes. Um, who asks if she wants to mate with Maya, who's this kind of very pasty, skeletal redhead who has been Jim. giving him the glad eye the yeah. whole time. Um, and he's unsure about it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, she's 15 and also he has a girlfriend, so... <laughs> yes. uh, but they're saying, like, oh, she's an adult. She's in. She's just entered the summer of her life. She's, she's blooming she's... in the bloodiest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> so she wins the Maypole thing. Well, I mean, there's, like, um, the, yeah, the, but also she, before she wins the Maypole thing, there's, like, a whole bit where she drinks this, like, weird, like tea um and uh so they're all fucked basically while they're doing the maypole and a lot of them like while they're doing the maypole like start like puking and falling over and stuff 
Um, and um, there's this tra- there's this strange bit where she's fucked and she starts uh, she's like I can't understand what you're saying in Swedish and then she just suddenly starts being able to speak Swedish um, and I think this is another sort of like showing of her like being indoctrinated into the community and accepted and becoming part of it so yeah before you know it she's one and uh, she doesn't even realise she's like what um, and then and also um, she didn't know that her entering in that was to determine who the May Queen was. Oh, uh, yeah. And so she's like, yeah, what does this mean? Oh, my God. Um, and then she's like, all the, the village are, like, screaming and, like, loving her. And, like, they come over and crown her. And then she's, like, walking through them. They all still look like they're off their face on the special flowers. <laughs> she also looks like she's uh, getting a tits off. <laughs> um, and Christian's just in the background, like, just, like, by himself. Yeah, and, like, movie. very, very visibly being removed from the crowd now. Like yeah. A- yeah, and he's also been fed the special uh, flower potion, um, so he's <laughs> <laughs> so he's like he's he's also fucked. Um, and and the purpose of being given that was obviously to make him more amenable to yes. what happens after the meal. Yes, <clears throat> I guess uh, during the meal. Yeah, so during the, well, everyone sits down, and Christian joins a lot later. Like he's obviously like, oh my god, what's happening? And uh, she's head of the table. Yeah, uh, Danny. Yeah, and <clears throat> with so her flower crown. She's still looking a bit like wood, um, and then she picks up a knife and fork, and the rest of the table do. Um, and then they try to feed her a whole kipper. Tail first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, she just kind of like takes it in her mouth and spits it out. And everyone goes, ha 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 ha. Good, good try. Good try at the kipper game. Someone's <laughs> <laughs> where they have these little uh, uh, very self aware moments where they realize how ridiculous their rituals are. <laughs> yeah, so then she gets taken away and put in a little chariot that's like uh, run by children um, <laughs> a children drawn carriage yes and she's like can I bring Christian and they're like no you have to do this alone so she's going to like uh, do some sort of ritual to for the good crops and a good yeah. harvest or something and this is where you see the kind of very kind of like symbolic hole in the ground full it's of seed a, an um, egg and, and meat it's a big slab of meat in it and an egg on it it's a little on the nose yeah <laughs> In the meantime, Christian um, has been lured uh, into what turns out to be a sex dungeon. <laughs> yeah. And the, the men have changed him into a just a, a robe. Yes. Um, and actually, there's two runes on the robe. One of them uh, is uh, means danger, divine forces turning to darkness. And the other one means self-sacrifice and knowing where your strength lies. And, and the other one means sexy times. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm assuming the strength lies in his penis and his sperm <laughs> at this point is what it's implying. Um, so yeah, then he goes in and it's like a whole bevy of beauties. <laughs> <laughs> Booby beauties. Yeah. Um, with uh, the young, what was her name? Maya. Maya. So they're stood around in like a horseshoe shape and she's lying on kind of like a bed of like shrubbery <laughs> um, looking very seductive and she opens her leg her flower um, <laughs> blooms blooms and um, but also just before this the old man blows smoke in his face and say like this is for virility um, just to give him a little bit of extra to do the fucking I guess oh yes because they blow something in his face later don't they yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, lots of blowing in his face yeah <laughs> so they have sex that's not really consensual from yeah. his perspective, I guess. But um, he, um, yeah, just goes straight in there. No foreplay. No. Um, and the uh, the people stood around to kind of make it kind of echoing her kind of heavy breathing. 
And then this older woman comes and, like, kind of pushes his bum. Yeah, to make sure he finishes. And, like, and the young girl's like, yeah, finish, finish, quick. Um, and, um, and, yeah, they're all moaning along with the sex. It's mm. like, ugh. Um, it's a really haunting scene, actually. I don't, I don't think people talk about, like, how problematic it is. I haven't seen it brought up in any other reviews, actually, that it's essentially rape. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, it is rape. Yes. But it's also, uh... Uh, but he look. I, I guess it's it's easier to to overlook that if he doesn't look really harrowed by it, and he mm. doesn't because he just looks a bit lost. But it is like a a, a distressing, awful yeah, scene. It's, uh, he's but it's but yeah. it's also kind of funny. Um, yeah, because the women screaming along with the kind of moaning is kind of like it's. Well, I think it's kind it's of like gross. campy. It, yeah. It's it's kind of gross and campy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then so once they're done, once he's planted his seed, um, <laughs> she's like, I can feel the baby. Yeah, and it kind of so tilts cute. back and wobbles yeah, around just to let it really... I'm full of a baby now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he runs out of the, the barn completely naked. And actually, uh, I was reading that that was actually his uh, decision. The actor insisted on it because he really wanted to show like... Off his big dick. His big dick. <laughs> but also just like show how like it's quite often in like horror films, women... Are used, assaulted, and then like before they die, just sort of like they're naked. Um, and so, so originally, would he have like put the robe back on? Yeah, the robe. He was meant to be wearing the robe, but yeah, he insisted on showing his big pee pee, <laughs> <laughs> his screamy pee, and his pasty bum. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. He's like running around, um, and then oh, he, and he runs into the little shed thing where yeah, another oh, little shed, another little <laughs> shed where Simon. Yeah, who went missing earlier is yes. kind of like it. Really reminds me of a scene from Saw, where the redhead, one of the later Saw films, where the redheaded detective woman is in that thing where there's, she's got to put her hand in acid, and then when she takes, if she doesn't get the key out, her rib cage is like yeah, kind of split open, and it kind of looks like wings almost. Yeah, I, and I was reading this is actually one of the um, things that's based on fact. Is like it was like a Viking torture thing to pull the lungs out and make them look like wings, essentially on the back. Um, uh, I mean, that's not torture; that's just murder, isn't it? Well, I mean, he's alive, like because you can see the is lungs he? like inflating and deflating. Like during oh. that scene, it's really horrible. Uh, but I mean, he looks dead, but the lungs are breathing. So, well, I guess he would be kind of half dead at least in that state. <laughs> But then uh, he weirdly like crawls underneath to look at his face and sees his uh, eyes are flowers. Yeah, it's quite, a, te- it's quite a, te- a tender moment actually. Yeah. Like, he kind of like turns the his head upside down. Yeah, it's, it's like kissing. Mm. <laughs> Lovely um, flower eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, and then two of the the blokes uh, from the village run in and blow some uh, soot in his face or something, and he passes out. Um, probably, it's probably not just soot in that case. Yeah, <laughs> some uh, naughty soot. So when he comes round, there's. Uh, there's one of the women from the village kind of very close in his face saying, you can't speak or move now, but everything's fine. Yeah. And uh, you can see, like, uh, like the hair actually, like, peeling his eyes open, essentially, in the way that it's filmed. <clears throat> it's quite fun. Um, but I think that's kind of horrifying as well, the fact that he's completely paralysed and he's just sat there watching the kind of, like, weirdness unfold. Um, and this is the this is when you see the iconic... Uh, the sad mountain of flowers. Um, uh, <laughs> with a face. Yeah, with a face on it. Just like sobbing um, on a crown, which is Danny. Um, and uh, so so then um, they do some kind of weird like bingo style thing where somebody gets selected randomly from the audience. Yeah, this is a bit complicated, I think, because there are nine 
they now have to... The final part of this kind of ceremony is that they have nine people that they are going to offer. Yes. And there's the four who've already died, which is... Oh, because we see uh, Josh's foot sticking out, like... Uh, yeah, foot yeah, sticking yeah. out of a... Before he gets to the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's Josh, Mark, Connie and Simon. And then they offer up four of their own, who... Two of them who are living, who is... Ingmar and another one who we meet briefly, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. And then two others that we we don't necessarily hear about. One of whom is the children, who, the child, who, the children's, the children's, <laughs> the, the child who was nearly thrown in the in the lake. And then for the final ninth one, mm. as May Queen, Danny has to decide between her boyfriend Christian, who's yeah. in like a wicker wheelchair at this point because he yeah. can't move, yeah, or someone who was drawn by random through a lottery yeah. from the village, who's this character we've not met yeah, yeah and then she's looking very pained at having to make this decision we never hear her say what the decision is but then in the next scene it becomes very apparent that she did choose christian yeah it was weird because it's like <clears throat> so, i feel like when i watched it the first time it was quite apparent that she'd chosen christian like in an obvious way but this like time, where she went christian yeah definitely <laughs> I my christian. he's the worst yeah um, um, but, yeah i thought it was more explicit than but that, it just, but... like, she doesn't really say anything she just like nod or something it's yeah like, um, and, it's and then we see them. So we didn't mention that there's a bear in a cage earlier on. Oh yeah. But that bear's only seen very briefly, and they're just like it's very kind of offhand. It's just like oh, there's oh, a bear in a, a cage. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> and then they see them in the kind of like kitcheny kind of barn where they've got yeah. the bear on the table, oh, dead, and the, an old man is showing like the young boys how to kind of like gut it and Flip. empty out its uh, insides. Yeah. And then they lift him up onto the table. And then pop him inside. And then pop him inside. So he's wearing it like a big sort of onesie. Yeah. Um, Cute. And then he is taken into the forbidden the forbidden pyramid. Um, and then they kind of curate the other bodies, who at this point are kind of like stuffed with branches and twigs and stuff. Oh yeah, um, and then like Mark, it's really funny because Mark at this point you see him and he, they've obviously taken his face back off um, and <clears> sewn him to make him look like a sort of like stuffed like jester. jester. Yeah. Um, <clears> and um, and then it, it was like it reminded me of earlier in the film where they talk about um, one of the dancers uh, is a ritual called skin the fool, um, which is obviously what he is. Um, and also, I guess that's the reason for his like very one-dimensional kind of silly child character. Yes. His skin and his foolishness. <laughs> <laughs> he has both skin and foolishness. <laughs> and then the two uh, living uh, kind of... Well, the third one is the bear man. Yeah, yeah. Um, the two kind of volunteers come and sit in there as well. They light it on fire. Yeah. Oh, and inside <laughs> there's uh, the final ruins of the, the show, uh, which are... Uh, one called Gibo, which is an X. Um, you're a Gibo. You're a Gibo. <laughs> uh, which means gifts and sacrifice. And then um, overlaid on top of it is a square, which means um, male fertility, um, no loose ends, and being able to move forward in a new direction. Um, that direction being death. <laughs> being death. And I think it's all about basically the breakup. Like, it's really just like. And I think we figured out that it's only men who are in the hut as well. Um, and, and so I don't, yeah, I just don't know whether it's just like a giant, like her just being like, I'm done with men, set fire to the men barn. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
So they burn that, yeah. and then the others all stand outside, and at first they're all kind of like howling again, but then they all start kind of... Yeah, it looks like they're doing a mixture of like howling and lolling. Well, I think they're, they're, they're doing that thing that we've seen a few times, which is where as the two volunteers from their village are screaming, they're kind of echoing it with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they all start kind of celebrating... And then she's walking along in this red dress like a slug. Oh, kind yeah. Of, um... the, the festive weeping slug of the party. <laughs> yeah. Just slopping around going, eh, what's happening? But then you see a little smile emerge. Yeah, and then she's just smiling. And it's like, and I guess it's like, yay, I'm finally home. And my shitty boyfriend is on fire. <laughs> in, in a big bag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then here it ends on the sun ain't gonna shine anymore. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's the end that's of the a end. two hour and 50 minute film. Yeah. And it's we didn't quiet. even squash it down that much, to be honest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> so, representation. Um, women? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about it. It's kind of strange because... Um, obviously in terms of the Danny, she finds her place with women, but obviously her relationship with, um, her friend Amy is that she just talks about Christians, they're talking about a man, so that's against the Bechdel test, but then when she joins the community, they do start speaking to each other, she even sort of picks up Swedish magically, um, and I guess it's kind of like quite a matriarchal, like, kind of like, system, it seems like. It is, but I, I was interested by that review that you quoted at the beginning about saying it was like a, a, a man's kind of fantasy of emasculation in a matriarchal society. Probably written by man. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't read that really because even though it's still a very man-centered film, I think because towards the end, Danny or like from as soon as Danny starts to become part of the group, she's featured a lot less heavily once she finds her place, and it instead shifts to following well, Christian. But Christian and his misery and his isolation, because it starts out that he really wants to belong and be in, involved in the society and like research it. And then over time, he's slowly rejected by the group. Um, and she becomes the one that's celebrated and important. Um, yeah, it's, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess, the way that their relationship works is that she starts out being the one that's kind of like the underdog and he's like in control of everything. Um, and then it sort of flips on its head towards the end where she becomes the one that's empowered and in control. I thought actually there's a moment where she's, where just after she's won the May Queen uh, of, um, of the world, America's <laughs> next top May Queen, um, Sweden, uh, in Sweden, um, where she's stood at the head of the table and she realises that, like earlier when they waited until the heads of the table sat down before everybody else did, that she, and you see her kind of have this little like tiny little smirk where she's yeah. like, Oh, this is me that's controlling this now, and she's sat and she, and she waits, and then she picks up a fork and she notices everyone else does it yeah. as well. And so that I mean, that's the kind of way it is that she starts like quite powerless, and then she becomes quite powerful at the end. Essentially, but does she use her power for good by choosing her boyfriend to be the one that's sacrificed rather than someone that she's never met before? Yeah, that's a great question. Are I... there any goodies in this film? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, a lot of the ones um, are there. I mean, Simon and Connie seem pretty innocent, to be honest, but um, but we don't know much about them. I don't even know why the, they're the, in it, the, to be honest. The, they are, um, well, they're in it because they needed nine people to sacrifice. Right. Um, but they they are, I mean, they are innocent, very much innocent, 
but they are also the most vocally outraged by this culture that they don't really understand. That's true. Even though I absolutely would be as well, because yeah, they're yeah. literally watching old people jump off cliff. The <clears throat> I, I wouldn't. I thought it was interesting that the aside from uh, Josh, that the two people of color are were from London. I don't know if that means anything, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's random. Um, um, I guess it's more to do with the fact that one of them's gone off to the US, one of them's gone off to the UK to kind of pick up their, for their pilgrimage to pick up their Yeah, it victims. seems like there's only two of them going out, it's not very successful. You'd imagine they're coming out with a herd of people. Also, it's just occurred to me, maybe there was an element of, like, revenge in terms of, I was going to say Grandma, Ingmar, um, <laughs> uh, of Grandma's revenge, of him, of him choosing... Connie and Simon, knowing that they would be killed, because he when he when he says like, "How do you know them all?" and he's oh, like, yes. "Oh, me and Connie were dating," and she's like, "Well, we went for a drink, and I didn't know it was a date, so we weren't dating." And she's like, "Well, anyway, we were dating, and then now they're engaged, so isn't that great news?" Yeah, and he seems really pissed off, but yeah. he's pretending he's like really gleeful and happy about it. Yeah, so maybe That's that was true. his own kind of little bit of vengeance there as well. But then Pele doesn't seem to have any reason to be vengeant. Um, well, I guess he doesn't have to be if he believes that that's the sacrifice that needs to happen. I and mean, that's yeah. his kind of duty to go and bring people back. Yeah. Um, but also he he is very, very warm to uh, Danny. He's the only one that is out of the men, out of the pizza gang. Yeah. Um, he, um, because what we didn't say is earlier, he, he remembers her birthday when Christian doesn't uh, and yeah, he draws yeah, a yeah. picture of her. And he's like, this is our little secret. Yeah, with the flower crown on, actually. So, oh, yeah. Um, so that he probably definitely knows that she's going to be... The, the queen of the flowers. Yeah. The sad slug flower lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when she wins, they have a very elongated kiss. Yes. As well. Smoocharama. <clears throat> um, so we assume that he becomes this, her new partner, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, I guess so. But I mean, in terms of, I guess we've covered people of colour and women there. But I think, and I said earlier about Josh, I think it's interesting that he's occupying the kind of ethnographer role. Yeah. Um, which is like kind of uh, often kind of uh, a research methodology that's criticized for its kind of whiteness. Yeah. Uh, going into other cultures and kind of uh, being the fly on the wall sort of thing. Yeah, and in terms of the Deverney test, um, he has a developed life and his own. Do you want to say what the Deverney test is? <clears throat> um, so it is a black character who is named, or any person of color is named. Um, who has um, a developed like backstory essentially in life, um, and isn't there just to support a white plotline, um, but and also own desires. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah. So I mean, obviously that's tick on the fact that he wants to. Go. He's the one that actually uh, insists on going, um, and the whole trip is planned around him studying. He's also so. like the serious academic, as opposed to Christian, who's just kind of bumbling from one doobie to the next. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, now I'm questioning about whether... I mean, obviously, he then becomes a character that is leeched off um, by a Christian, but that's not... Um, I don't know if that's sort of a, a flaw or that's just... that's. Um, I don't know. It's re- Well, I guess it represents kind of like... Um, sort of uh, racism in the in the way that, like, yeah, he's, like, a Christian's appropriating his work and taking from him, and it's not actually, like, a plot fault. Yeah, but also... It's interesting because he's also appropriating, or yeah. not appropriating, but he's like leeching off a, a different culture yeah. himself. 
Obviously, there's no direct LGBTQ representation. No. <clears throat> no. Um. Uh. Yeah. There's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not really queer at all. But I guess the whole community is based around sort of reproduction and the circle of life in a way. But I guess the the queerest part of it is the sense of what a family looks like. Yes, and so that's kind of like a kind of underlying rather than over. Um. Yeah, sense of that. Um. But other than that, no. I don't even think anyone sort of... Yeah, nobody talks about anything, even, or even jokes about <laughs> No. I guess the, the kind of campiest moment is when he's just like, oh, you're like my little frog. Yeah. <laughs> that's very girly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and yeah, it's not, there's nothing else, really. No. Um, so, the elephant in the room is representation of disability. Yes. <laughs> So I did notice, aside from Ruben, who we'll talk about, but the um, when they applaud, they use the like autism-friendly uh, kind of Their fingers, fingers in the air. Oh, um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so that that kind of clap where you kind of don't clap, you mm. just like wave. Yeah, that is used by kind of it's supposed to be an accessibility thing. Yeah, and I think I guess it's partially for uh, deaf people. But also for like neurotypical people who might not like a kind of that all of a sounds... sudden a rapturous kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting. But the the purpose of Ruben. Yeah. He really, really felt to me like he was a character that was introduced purely to go on the trailer. Yeah. To be like, oh, look at that person's face. And it's like, it's supposed to be kind of like shocking. Yeah. Um, it's weird because I think <clears> that. Um, Strangely, his kind of um, disability is quite kind of, um, although it is meant to be grotesque, it's quite, he's quite beautiful in a strange way. Um, like, and quite, I think it's going to be quite angelic. Um, and I but think. But is, is that maybe just as problematic because he, uh, yeah. his, his disfigurement is being used as kind of an aesthetic? Because it's a very beautiful oh, film no, to look at. 100%. But then if, if his, because I, I know what you mean, but it's just like, if his only purpose is to kind of, Add to it's the like aesthetic of the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, I mean, I, I don't know of like a disability version of like the Bechtel test or the Diverni no, test. I don't. But if there was, I'm sure he wouldn't well, pass it because no, he not. has no, uh, there's no backstory, there's no desires speak. or interests. Yeah. There's no, um, he is like, a, he's, he, he is a, he's a prop. He's, he's almost inanimate yeah. in terms of what. And but then he's also seen as like a kind of deity. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny actually because like, there's a weird little tiny bit at the end where like when all the celebrations going on, it looks like he's building a cloud. Um, and, and I didn't really understand yeah, what Yeah, I thought it, it looked like he's kind of like, I guess that's part of that like kind of angelic deity thing yeah. where it looks like, so he's still writing in that, or like painting in that book. Right. But it's rested, it's almost like his table is a cloud. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, that feeds into the kind of like angelic kind of like, yeah, sort of. And also, he's not in it very much at no, all. No. He's not in most of the like group scenes. You never see him at the table. You see him like maybe like three times in the whole film. Yeah, and also like yeah, it's, we don't know whether he's meant to be the one that actually kills um, Josh, do we? Like it, it like because you hear a kind of strange moan, um, and then he gets hit on the head with a hammer, and it, I kind of assumed it was uh, I was going to say Rupert again, Ruben. Um, <laughs> oh, but, I, I didn't. Oh, didn't you? No, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I guess it's just because he's painted this kind of pure That's true. kind of. But also, I guess he could be the protector of the book, and like. I think his character is the worst part of the film. Yes, because it doesn't add anything, and it is obviously done just to be kind of like shocking or. 
yeah. or for like aesthetic purposes. And I think that is like a really a kind of irresponsible yeah. use of a, a character. I, they they could have easily had characters who were part of the uh, community who had visible disabilities without them having to just be about their appearance, which is kind of all I got yeah, from Yeah, and actually, I don't, thinking about it, it wouldn't have been that hard to give them a bit more of a story um, and a bit more kind of like, you know, if you want to use, like, disability, then you you know, you, should, you would think in this day as you use it, like, appropriately and responsibly, where it is just used as a prop. Or, but also the fact that it said that he is um, he's the product of inbreeding, yeah. he is unclouded with normal cognition, that suggests that he... Uh, has a mental disability as well, or he's he's neuroatypical. Mm. In which case, why does he also need to be have a physical disability as well? I, I don't know. It just seems like it's, it it's, just it's, it's a reckless like, and yeah, yeah. Like problematic essentially. So, yes. <laughs> Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Shall we do the awards? So the Bloody Mary Awards. Yeah. Uh, so best character that's not a main character. Um, I uh, chose when uh, when they're all first tripping out on the mushrooms when they first get there, and a new man is walking towards them. All they're all sat under a tree, and Mark's just like, "Oh no, I don't want any new people. No. I don't want to see new people." And the, and the man in his little white dress just kind of waves and keeps walking. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, yeah he, he's my favorite character. <laughs> Um, what do you think is the spoopiest bit? Um, so I actually think that the, fir- the the opening bit is the spoopiest, where she gets the kind of really haunting message, su- su- suicide note, that we don't know is a suicide note yet. And then you see the whole family dead and, like, the, the sister with the, the hose taped to her face so with the kind of, like car exhaust going straight into it is, is the dark, like the most disturbing and sort of, sort of grossest bit really because um, I guess in a way it's the most relatable kind of realist well, I can relate to being a big flower yeah. stuck <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I, I think there are two bits that stood out to me I mean because it's, it's not a scary film it's a creepy film and yeah. it's not like a scare moment so it's quite difficult to pick something but the bit that made the hairs on the back of my neck stood out were, was her reaction to a fam- finding out a family were all dead. Oh, yeah, that's um, and also maybe the bit where the two volunteers were sat in the pyramid at the end. Oh yeah, but and uh, they'd been given some some tree some some tree magical they, tree. They, they'd been given given some uh, some something from the yew tree oh, to elm, kind of calm elm. Um, they were given something from an elm tree. It could have been a yew tree. It's not, though. It's not? <laughs> okay, fine. Um, which is supposed to calm their nerves and not uh, or uh, yeah. not make them feel pain, but then they start screaming when they're on fire and they're kind of looking at each other. That bit's kind of harrowing, even though yeah, they did yeah, sign up for that. What do you think is the funniest bit? Shall I go first? Because yes. our funniest bits are yeah. sequential. Yes. So when uh, Woman with the Red Hat is uh, trying to convince Christian to uh, mate with Maya, Mia, Maya, um, me or Maya? Oh, me or Maya. And he says, I think I ate one of her pubic hairs. And she says, that does sound about right. <laughs> That's my favourite funny bit. And, and uh, my favourite bit is the same lady, who I think is sort of in charge of the village. Um, and uh, she is introducing the festivities and then towards the end just says, 
Oh, without any further blathering. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yes. exactly like that. <laughs> she's, she's got some good moments. Yeah. Uh, what do you think was the best death? Oh, God. Um, I think, well, I think the the first jump, really, because it was like the first suicide. It was like... So the woman? Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously... I like the way she landed. Yeah. Um... But I think that the best death was the old man. Yeah, I mean, um, it, just because it was so gruesome. Yeah, I think I think just because the shock, you didn't, well, you didn't, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen, and the fact that she's just sort of plummeting and there's mm. this. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like him being smashed in the head was uh, something, something special. What do you think was the worst death? Well, like we were discussing that, you don't see a lot of the deaths, and so really, like. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, they all... Maybe up... we should say Connie, because we don't know what happens to Connie. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I don't think you see her... I mean, there's a few people, like, stuffed and, like, dressed up as, like, ornaments, like, placed around while the ceremony's going on. I couldn't recognise... I like, didn't clock any of those. Um, <laughs> I didn't make... There was one, like, stuffed with apples with, like, twig arms. Um, <laughs> oh, but... apple make twig arm. Apple make twig arms, face, yes. <laughs> My favourite character. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, um, so... Yeah, like... I, yeah, we don't know what happened, so that's definitely the worst Uh What do you think is the queerest moment? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not very queer, but the the one the tiny bit that struck me is when they first arrive at the village, and the guys welcome each other by holding the back of each other's heads and like leaning into each other in a kind of close embrace, mm. and they just stare into each other's eyes for a while and say, "Oh, stop it!" <laughs> and the women don't do it, which is yeah, strange. yeah, it's like very like tender and also like intense, yeah, and weird. Um, I think the kind of uh, the kind of collective grief that they all show with her when she comes when she see, she witnesses him being raped, yeah, and they do like a big collective kind of cry oh, together. I think that's actually my favorite scene um, is where she's screaming and crying, and they all join in, and it becomes like a chorus of wailing and yeah. screaming. It's... I think that's something really beautiful about yeah, it. Really, yeah. um, who do you think is the sexiest character? Uh, well, I mean, like Simon's kind of hot, but you never really see that much of him. Mm. Um, and you I, you love a boy with flowers for eyes, <laughs> <laughs> lungs outside of his body. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but I think, as much as I hate him, I think Christian is quite beautiful. Uh, he's quite of unusual looking as well because like, his eyes, he looks like a cartoon character. His like... eyes are like ginormous and like. And he's got like a, flawless skin as well, yeah. and I think the fact that his hair is very obviously dyed ginger makes him look more kind of like uh, like a cartoon character. Yeah, he's he is hot. I mean, despite his like repellent nature, <laughs> um, and so it's hard to it's hard to fancy him. But he is really probably the only fanciable character. Well, <gasps> I have to disagree. What? <laughs> I I mean, obviously we have very different tastes, but I, my um, I think the sexiest character is Pele. Um, I know, but you know I love a scruffy, long-haired Scandinavian. Of course. <laughs> uh, yes, and like he, uh, yeah, I, he, I, I could see him talking me into being the May Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the May Queen. No, I'm the May Queen. <laughs> um, so that. That's the awards. Da, da, da. Congratulations to all of the winners. Yeah, uh, thank you, and uh, you're amazing. I love you. <laughs> uh, how many pumpkins out of five would you give Midsummer? 
That's a great question, Sean. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> you, you are welcome. Um, so, um, I think four, uh, a strong four pumpkins. Uh, um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, it's a solid four from me also. Do you think that um, the original release, you would have gone in different pumpkins? I think probably not. Probably not, although I do think I preferred the shorter version. Yeah, I did. Um, I don't think the, the, the director's cut added that much. No, um, apart from that one argument they have, which I really liked. But otherwise, I think, yeah, I think it's a solid four. I think the director, the, the cuts that were made for the theatrical release were wise. Were wise. Um, which is actually against what a lot of people said online, that they prefer the director's cut. It's probably just like horror snobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, of course, we are horror connoisseurs. Oh, yes, we're experts. Connoisseurs and madams. Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I think the thing that stops me from thinking it's a completely perfect film is I can't help but unfavorably compare it to The Wicker Man, which is one of my absolute favourites. Um, I mean, obviously, they're very different films, mm. but they're kind of... They're, they're the only in the genre of folk horror that I can think of, to be honest. Um, yeah, and I think... Yeah. For me, Wicker Man is as close to perfection as a horror film can get. Yeah, I think for me, it's like compared to Hereditary, which I would, a spoiler alert, if we ever do it, give five out of five because I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. And so I do compare it to that. Um, they're very different films, um, but still, it's just like... It, yeah, it's just... It's not, it's not as good. Yeah. yeah, but but four pumpkins is to be sniffed at pumpkin wise. No, certainly not sniffing at those pumpkins. No, we... get get your nose out of my pumpkin. <laughs> my stinky pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now it's time for the as yet unnamed uh, spoopy segment. Oh. Ooh, unrelated spoop. Um, <laughs> So I was looking into Swedish folklore and Scandinavian folklore more broadly and came across a mythological creature called the Huldra, um, also known as the Skogsra or Skogfu, which means... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's like a meat substitute. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, So Skogfu means forest wife. Um, So this uh, kind of creature appears as a woman, except that she has a long... Cow's tail, <laughs> the long dick, <laughs> a long cow tail, um, which she hides under her skirt. Um, and if she seduces a man into marrying her in a church, then her cow tail falls off. Um, mm. That seemed transy, actually. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, in Swedish folklore, uh, specifically, she's known as Pine Tree Mary. <laughs> Lovely Mary. Please welcome to the stage. Do all the Marys. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. Um, The origin story is about a woman who was visited, (laughs) visited by surprise (gasps) by God. Oh God! Um, And she, oh God! And she'd she'd only washed half of her children. (gasps) By which I think it means that she'd fully washed half of her children, as opposed to just like I've only got down to the chest. Um, so half of her children were dirty, and because God visited out of the blue, uh, she hid the dirty kids out of shame, and God said that the hidden children would be hidden from humanity, and they became the holders or the holders, which apparently also means like hidden people. God's a dick. Isn't like, it? Oh, what a dick. <laughs> um, so they mostly have good relationships to humans, uh, provided they were treated with respect. So they were especially good to charcoal burners, 
and they would watch over their burning kilns as they slept uh, in exchange for uh, being left some provisions. And the women were all very beautiful. It's kind of like, they're a bit like sirens. Um, uh, but there were there were apparently some men of the same Huldra race um, who beautiful. were, so. they were disgusting. Oh, no. with, with long, grotesque, awful noses. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it oh. says grote- grotesque, long noses. Oh, okay. I, I, I used my own creative license there. But anyway, that is my story about the Huldra. Oh no, they are so scary. Ah! <laughs> also, yeah, God, God is a dick. So hide those dirty kids. Eh, they're gross. No well, no, in his defence, um, it seems like, not all men. Not um, all God. <laughs> it seems like um, like he was punishing the mother for being ashamed of her dirty children. Yeah, I guess they get like superpowers. Yeah, like cow tails. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to count. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends. 